She's also worked as a rape crisis counselor. She's an accomplished writer with more than 10 years of experience and holds a master's degree in trauma studies. Today, she's here to talk about her latest book, The True Crime File, Serial Killers, Famous Kidnappings, Great Cons, Survivors, Their Stories, Forensics, and more. I mean, and with that, with everything you do, how did you have time to even write a book? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, I actually just, I just got out of a meeting with my boss where I asked for like a whole lot of time off. (laughs) (laughs) It's like vacation time might be the answer to that. Just like using all my vacation time to obsess over true crime, which is like, what else am I really going to do with it anyway? We all got hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Um, It definitely, I mean, it starts as a hobby and then it kind of takes over a little bit, right? <laughs> my experience with that. You just start dreaming about it and you're just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's sort of like all day, all night. Um, yeah. So I've had to get some new, um, less terrifying hobbies, which is also, <laughs> that's good. Like, so, uh, what are some of, the, some of the less macabre hobbies? Like yoga. <laughs> <laughs> you got to center yourself after all the murder. <laughs> I would say, you know, it's funny that you, you say macabre because I was going to say I take a lot of long walks through the cemetery across the street, but that doesn't really count. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems blissful, honestly, because nowhere's quieter. <laughs> yeah, it's peaceful. It's beautiful. Um, not everybody there was murdered, so that's also good. Not everybody there is a victim of a violent crime, which is always a good thing. You got to find the positives. Yes. Yes, exactly. So now can you tell us like a little bit about this book? So yeah, this is the true crime file. It's sort of like a, it's meant to be like a, like a mini encyclopedia or like a survey of true crime. So it has a little bit of everything in it. So I, I, I've been writing a true crime page a day calendar for Workman for about four years now. And then a few years back, we were lucky enough to have a new, I want to say new, a new editor, John Miles. He's the editor for this book. And he actually previously worked at Workman and, and then came back 20 years later, which is like, a very workman thing. He in the in the time between he became this pro uh, true crime editor. So he comes back and he's like, "This is this is a, has potential for a book. Like the popularity of the calendar has potential for a book." And so it became sort of like a collaborative effort, also very workman between me and him. So yeah, I mean, this is, that's like sort of how it how it grew. They call these books chunkies, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's like a little book packed to the brim with with information that's so funny because that was my name in middle school (laughs) (laughs) so uh so what inspired this book it seemed it came from the calendar right yeah so it came from it came from the calendar um and it's it's sort of based on the popularity of that and uh just an interest just like an interest in everything true crime because it really is it's it's, it i mean i i aimed for it to be everything true crime like as much information as possible so the the stories are very short obviously um just to pack a lot in there it's meant to be a starting point also for um you know sort of like to to fall down like a google like a wikipedia hole or like that just like like an entry point into into true crime 
because reading over it, it, it felt like uh, the true crime Bible. Yeah, so so it it's paced in a way. Um, like at, at first, well, uh, John and I had talked about doing it in segments of like all the serial killers up front and then all the survivors. And then he was like, no one's going to read past the serial killers if we do that. So he wanted to sort of like mix it up. And hopefully that does make it more readable also in one sitting. But, you, you know, you can also pick and choose. It was really engaging too the way it's formatted because like it keeps you really just hooked on what's coming next. Right. Yeah. And then it has those lighter crimes. So it's like just when you thought you had too much of like all the darkness, it's like, oh, someone held up a bank with a cucumber. All right. Well, <laughs> maybe this stuff isn't too heavy after all. I'll read on, and then you know you're you're back in Dahmer land. So yeah, a lot of curveballs in there. <laughs> so uh, how many books have you written? And out of all the ones you've written, which one is your favorite? So this is the only book that I've ever written, and and it's oh, a favorite. So <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really like it. Um, I, um, actually, the the copies came on my birthday, and it was perfect. It was a perfect birthday present. But um, yeah, I've been I've been also writing the the page day calendar. Uh, I've written four and a half so so far. Um, so yeah, I'm just really proud of the whole little project overall. Um, yeah. So uh, what part of the book was the most challenging for you to write? I think uh, just the sheer amount of content. Like it's, I think it's more than 200 stories in there. Um, And there are some lighter ones, um, but it's a lot of killers and a lot (laughs) of driver tales, um, which are wonderful, but you know, they don't start off so good. And uh, just like the idea that I could keep writing like this for the next 40 years and never run out of content is is kind of depressing um yeah yeah, but it it can really it can really wear on you to think like wow like another one you know and of all the things I, i think i know quite a lot of true crime stories like but there are so many that I don't know. And I, I do have friends who are like, you, how could you possibly never heard of this? And I'm like, well, there's just so much awfulness in the world. I don't know. What <laughs> well, unfortunately, people just keep getting murdered. So People just keep getting murdered. There are so many cases that were never publicized, you know, and now crimes are getting solved because of uh, genetic genealogy. Like more crimes are getting solved, more uh, unidentified victims are being identified. And this is all great stuff, but it's also just like, take a breath. Like, yeah. It's a it's a lot. So yeah, that that's probably the the biggest challenge is just like every now and then like getting over that hurdle of like oh my god like another story. Okay. <laughs> and especially as like a woman, because most of these cases involve like women being victims. So I can only imagine how like you could put in that mindset of kind of being on guard or putting a wall up. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I definitely can't do the woods ever again like in the middle of nowhere you know like I feel pretty safe in the city but I men, I went, men will ruin everything they'll, they'll ruin the woods for you <laughs> they ruined the woods they absolutely ruined the woods for me I went I went to visit a friend in, outside of Durham uh, a couple weeks ago and she lives like in the middle of the woods I was like first of all a cool city that you can just drive 20 minutes and be in the middle of the woods but also I'm terrified and I'm supposed to stay in this guest house by myself <laughs> like <laughs> And then I was watching Criminal Minds and I was like, what am I doing with my life here? I need to go to bed. <laughs> so uh, what was the funnest part of the book for you to write? Um, I really liked uh, sort of updating all the, like going back through all the stories. So I guess like I liked the drafting, like I liked going through and, and updating everything. 
Um, I'm really involved at work with conscious language, so I enjoyed updating the language. That was really fun. It's like, you know, like uh, these little changes do make a big difference in how we talk about like incarceration and also victimology, like all kinds of things. So um, yeah, I really liked that. And and just, um, I really enjoyed the publishing process. It, um, I've been working in publishing for 10 years and I, I really enjoy bookmaking. Like I'm, I am, my job is like in a part of the process where I get to see a little bit. I don't get to do everything because I don't know like how to design books or anything, but I get to sort of like work with designers and um but I've never, obviously never before gotten to work on the side of an author. And, and um, especially at the company that I work at, like these are my colleagues and I, I really admire and respect them. So it was just so cool to see them. And they're just like so good. And it's a marvel. Um, yeah, it's all, all kinds of things that I couldn't do either like marketing and publicity. Like, like I kind of don't even know the difference between those two still. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, and just like, you know, I have I have one of each, you know, of my of my colleagues doing it. And it's just like, it's, they're just so good. Every time they email me, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, we're doing what? <laughs> That's amazing. So that that has been, but yeah, I guess just like the bookmaking process has been really amazing. And pairing that with true crime for me is just like, Dreamy, I guess. Just the bees and yeah. knees. <laughs> yeah, really. So now how much research did you have to do for the book? Like so much. So <laughs> it's amazing how much research you have to do for for to distill something like Charles Manson down to like fifteen hundred words. Like I, you said, I, I pray I tip my hat. <laughs> I, still, I, I still feel I feel like and I don't know if this is true, but I feel like I need to know everything that happened, like everything about the crimes, even if I'm not going to include all the details. And there are I do pick and choose details like like, oh, no, I'll leave this for them to like look up. <laughs> like, they're yeah. gonna, like the idea is you're going to look up this crime because because you're so interested in it after reading this, you know, 1500 word like summary of it and you're going to learn about like all the really horrible things that I didn't include so um yeah just uh it felt it feels sometimes like like hours of and hours of research into like every 200 words (laughs) (laughs) I mean but that's you, you can see that in the book too when you're reading it how you really put your time into making it in a way where you're getting all the information that you need to know yeah. And you're still like intrigued. Like, well, let me go Google this real quick because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that that shows because I feel like it's the one thing like you can't really you can't really show so much like what what you didn't do. <laughs> like, yeah. So so I'm glad it's coming off as sort of like knowledgeable. Um, yeah, because there are some things that I would really like to include, but it really like one detail of a crime you can write a whole book on it. Oh yeah. So, so fitting 200 stories into one book, um, you really have to, yeah, you really have to pick and choose. You have to have a lot of paper for that. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. You have to have a lot of paper. It's true. So now you covered a lot of serial killers. What was the most complex killer to write about and kind of like whittled down in a good, concisive way? I'm going to say Terry Hoffman. She's, um, she was a, a cult leader. She started in the '60s selling selling crystals, so you know, be on the lookout because some real garball stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she she had a uh, she started a cult called Conscious Development of Body, Mind, and Soul, and yeah, like she starts with crystals, develops this cult, and then eventually her husband start dying, her followers start dying. They're you know they're killing themselves, they're they're killing other people. 
and all of their wills name Terry Hoffman as the sole beneficiary. So what a coincidence. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The reason that I found this so complex is because it's, it's sort of, the story is stranger than fiction sort of, and it's actually really hard to, to uh, like convert stranger than fiction into nonfiction writing because a lot of it just doesn't make sense. Like (laughs) there's one part that um, one detail that I really love is that uh, she, I don't know if love is the right word, but you know, she, <laughs> it's so weird, right? With true crime when you're yeah. like, I love, oh my God, I love that she did this. She's awful. But uh, yeah, she convinced two of her followers that they had invisible CIA lovers. And one of the CIA lovers was threatening the, like the other friend. So, oh, oh, this is like a lifetime movie. And like, yeah. our- oh my God, yeah, it would be a perfect lifetime movie, but. But making it into like a short nonfiction story. <laughs> a little so, hard. So I had like, I feel like at least three editors query this along the process and be like, what is an invisible CIA lover? And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Google it, Google it, Google it. When I say it though out loud, it, it does sound like it's like something that's invisible that loves the CIA. So, but I felt uh, okay. like a, a jaded employee who didn't get yeah. pulled a month. <laughs> But I feel like in context, it's like, yeah, like she convinced these women that they had invisible lovers who worked for the CIA. And and there are a lot of it's just like a lot of details like that. Um, It's it's just like really hard to be clear when you're writing. There are other stories like that. But I feel like I feel like Terry Hoffman, especially so. And then and then the story is just like really unsatisfying at the end of the day. Like she she I think she was jailed for a year for bankruptcy fraud and she died a free woman and that's it so like all of these people people died very mysteriously around her um I I mean like one woman killed her daughter for like at the at the advice of of Terry Hoffman and and she profited off of all of this and and then they couldn't catch her for anything so it's like it's like complicated weird and unsatisfying so it's really it sounds like an mlm gone wrong <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so now you, you talk about survivors a lot throughout the book so if you can meet any survivor that you covered who would it be and what would you say to them and now a message from our sponsors at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So I think it would be Erica Pratt, the seven-year-old who escaped her own kidnapping, like in a really heroic way. Um, So she was like blindfolded, I think, and tied to a chair and she like kicked through a window and, you know, escaped and she only had like minor injuries to her eye. And that was in 2002. She was seven. So she'd be 27 now. And I just like want to see like what she's like, (laughs) you know? Like, I hope she's a badass. Like, not be. Like some nighttime superhero or something. Yeah, she's like, no big deal, whatever. (laughs) Do it again. (laughs) So in a section, Bizarre Brutality, how did you decide what was brutal enough to to make the book? 
and what cases like didn't make the list because if these are the ones that got in there right um so that's a really interesting question because um it's sort of a catch-all like it was so that category was meant to be a catch-all for anything like in the book that well first of all it has to be obviously like really there has to be like some sort of strange element to it like a you know and then it has to be a violent crime that so that wouldn't necessarily fit in murder or what's the other one I think or survivor or anything like that um of course like a lot of these things got moved around after um like from the first draft so you know there there are some there are more murders that ended up in there but there were some that I had to nix for page count and that includes uh the Hello Kitty murder, which is like a murder that happened in Hong Kong in 1999. And they found a woman's severed head inside of a life-size Hello Kitty mermaid ball. So really weird. Also weird, Hong Kong, the one of the one of the lowest homicide rates in the world. And then this happens. So that was one. Another was the copycat Zodiac, which was um uh, Ted Cruz, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He killed <laughs> Exactly. Yes, exactly. It was Ted Cruz, and that's the end of that story. <laughs> a little bow on that. There we go. Solved. That's it. All right. Well, we'll stop that. Stop there. Um, there was the um, the Duval twins crash in Maui. I don't know if you remember this one. It's, it's happened in 2015, and it was these two women, twins, um, who had this really volatile relationship, and they got into a fight on a on a highway. I forgot what the highway is called. Uh, my partner's from Maui. I don't know, but it, it goes around the island. It's and it's um it's like you know on a mountain, goes around a mountain, and they got into a fight while driving a convertible on this on this like mountainside highway, and they fell over, and one of the twins died, and the other one was charged with 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 uh, I want to say like at least manslaughter, right? That's that's a rough that's a rough one. But, yeah, but there's also like stories going back of of these these two women just like having these like you know knock down drag out fights like in front of other people and then and then they would make up the next minute and and you know twins <laughs> so, so women, you know <laughs> regular twin stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah and then other stuff like you know people killing other people with rattlesnakes you know just like weird oh cholerophobia that was one that didn't make it that's uh yeah. fear of clowns Fair, very fair. Fair clowns, and then and then I don't know if you remember this, but in twi- around 2016, there were all of these like yes. clowns. Yeah. Yes. So I talked about that. I remember the first um, time I seen it. It was a clip on World Star, and I was like, "What timeline are we?" In? What was that? And then it just and then I like knock on wood, it just stopped. Like what what happened to those clowns? Uh, I just blame 4chan. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so those are some, um, but there are a lot that are just, like, so terrible. Like, yeah. So now, there's also a section about con artists. So now, out of all the con cases you read, which one would be, like, best adapted into a movie, like a blockbuster? Because I love the heist. Oh, yeah. No, everyone loves a con artist until they start killing people. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's, like, a very, there's, like, a, yeah, clearly delineated line with con artists, like... Very yeah. clever, wonderful. You kill someone, you're a murderer. We don't like you anymore. So yeah, if Sandra Bullock started like just shooting people in Ocean's Eleven, the ratings would have. <laughs> it's not. It's not rooting for her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, funnily enough, I was on a, a podcast called "Why Is This Not a Movie" um, with Mike Vago, and I uh, I chose 
um, to talk about Mark Olmsted, who was a, a, I mean, he was, a, I guess, a con man in the, in, he ran cons in the 90s and the early aughts. Uh, credit card fraud and like disability fraud with the understanding that he he was HIV positive and he thought he was going to die of AIDS and everyone around him was dying and so yeah he just like ran these really they were clever but they were also like how did you not get caught like at the same time it was like you know he was using like uh, fake stamps from like little league clubs like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah like- <laughs> And, you know, he was he was like copy pasting Xeroxing like like old school Photoshop uh, because his brother had died of AIDS and, and he was um, falsifying the death certificate to, to sort of like clear credit card debt. And uh, but, you know, he's also he was he was defrauding the, the, the same government that was complicit in the AIDS crisis. And, you know, like who cares about credit card companies? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Burn them all to the ground. <laughs> so you can't help but sympathize with this guy, and he, and he's and he's just he's very very smart. You know, he, he speaks six languages or something, and and um, he's just like going through this apocalyptic experience. Um, and then of course there's the twist, which you know I won't give away. It's in the book, so <laughs> <laughs> that was a great. <laughs> it was a great twist. So, <laughs> so now if if you were a con artist or a thief, what was your amazing heist be? What would you call it? There's always a great, there's always a great name with a caper. Yeah, that's so. It's funny. I, I, I'm not great at names. So another thing that's something that's changed a lot. <laughs> the first draft of this book is that my editor helped me snazz up the the titles of the stories because mine are, tend to be like pretty dry. <laughs> but okay, let's see. Like something like reverse hundred one Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where I'm like stealing puppies from like, I don't know, whatever, like coat makers. <laughs> a, lot of, a bunch of Cruellas, yeah. I'm stealing them back. Um, so I guess it would just be like Hunter on Dalmatians with human intervention and, and maybe the dogs would just be better off on their own. I don't know, but. We're not turning you into coats. We're all going to go hang out. <laughs> it would be, it would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be something like that, I think. No, I love that. So now, uh, what did you feel? Why did you feel it was essential to add in the sections about like forensic facts and legal concepts? Because I mean, as a true con podcaster myself, I thought that was helpful for me <laughs> just to get a little bit more knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all it's all part of crime, and it all works like well together and against uh, crime stories. Um, I think I think that it's been my experience that a lot of people get really mired in sort of like true crime is murder it's stories about murder and like gory details of murder and I'm like no it's like really the whole crime and and so much goes into like solving a crime or quote-unquote solving a crime just like which in a lot of cases is just closing trying to close the case yeah and uh we're learning new things about how how like older forensic methods like blood spatter and hair hair analysis like all that is sort of like debunked now and how many people are in prison based on that a lot (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah the the way the legal system works for and against justice like you know we I read something today about changing the language of the criminal justice system to call it the criminal legal system because it's not really like justice it's really just working around justice like we like, uh, I, I feel like we say that that's the goal, but when you look at it, that's not really what's happening. So it is, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it is. It's necessary background for, to really understand what's going on with a, a lot of these crimes. And even things like uh, the survival story of Mary Vincent, like her attacker got something like seven years in 
prison and then he was released and and he killed someone right away when he was released and so it's like what like what happened like, yeah. <laughs> the laws around that where he only got you know he he violently attacked and and raped and dismembered this this 15 year old girl who survived and and they were like all right well seven years that sounds good so it's like how did that happen <laughs> they make it make sense at the end of the day yeah, i mean that happens and then other people are you know they get life in prison for you know marijuana or something <laughs> yeah three strikes like it just it, it's just like it really it's kind of a crime into itself sometimes there's also that part of the true crime community where you get like past the murder and you're like america's kind of ghetto wait (laughs) like the legal system is kind of trash yeah it really is it really it's really um i'm in i'm also i'm in this phase right now where i'm like everything is true crime (laughs) (laughs) it all circles back to murder i mean with everything happening like with roe v wade i'm like look at all the true crime possibilities that are coming out of this and and it's a it's a legal you know quote-unquote legal concept so um and people could die and you know under people, very- yeah, people definitely yeah. could die and i don't know so, that, that disconnect with other with other people in america is just so it's like you're not people are still gonna get abortions but now they're not gonna be as safe right right um, yeah so we're 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 like paving the way for those uh those bad bad kinds of con artists who you know want to <laughs> sell illegitimate things and, and hurt people so um, there you go. It's all connected. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was watching this documentary recently about a woman who was selling like herbal tea to give women natural abortions. And it was just making women sick, obviously. But she just made so much money off that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a bummer. That's not the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, there's a lot of uh, quick facts you have sprinkled throughout the book too. So what's a quick fact you think that everyone should just know, like just have locked in the back of their head? I think everyone should know that crime has gone down despite public perception that it has gone up, which is a weird thing to say because in this very moment, you know, I'm in Brooklyn, like crime has actually gone up, but historically it's still down from, from like previous decades. Um, and do you have any like theories of why I think that might be? Well, I, I put that as the last, that's, that's the period at the end of this book, which is like sort of a sort of tongue in cheek because it's a book about 200 crime stories. You know, like it's, yes. it's I, why would anyone think that crime has gone up? Like, but I do think it's, I do think it's because, yeah, just like the changing media landscape. I mean, we can, we can um, consume true crime all the time. It's, we're not just looking at the, the, you know, the 10 o'clock news or the newspaper or 2020, um, we can curate our media landscape to be all about true crime. So I think that's why. Um, I think, you know, ultimately it's not a bad thing. I mean, I think there's there's more fear, but we're also talking about things that there's no other, yeah, there's no other way to solve these things besides talking about them. I think it's the media that is making, making people think that it's gone up. But. Apparently, we're a less violent culture now. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know about watching TV. No. So now, how would you describe your book's ideal reader? Who is this for? Um, my my dream for this book is that every true crime fan has a copy in their bathroom, um, <laughs> <laughs> and that every true crime fan gifts it to their friends who are sort of on the fence about true crime, and then those people also keep 
it in their bathroom. So um, I, I think it's a perfect bathroom book for for true crime fans, also for guests because it's not too gratuitous, it's not too gory. Um, it's sort of like I think I think it's interesting enough that people are like, oh, I get it, I get why you'd be interested in these things. Um, and then, yeah, there's a story for any length of time you need to be in the bathroom. So <laughs> that should be the new tagline, like a book in every bathroom. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I need to see how I need to clear that with my publishers and see how they really feel about me saying that. But that's what I think. I, yeah, I, I think it's catchy as hell. <laughs> so now, uh, where can people find your book and find you? Um, well, I think it's available, what's the line? Available wherever books are sold. So try to support the indies, obviously, but you can find it at workman.com and you can follow Workman at Workman Pub on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'm not much for social media, but if you want to see pictures of my cat and dog and uh, the flora and fauna of Greenwood Cemetery, you can follow me on Instagram at We Look Awesome. And I'm on Twitter at Daily Minutia. It's impossible to spell. I can't even spell it. <laughs> I do post occasionally about uh, conscious language and true crime there. Oh, sweet. Uh, before you go, I did have my own little mini quiz that I wanted you to you know, test out. Yeah. So I- I'm calling this uh, Which Serial Killer is the stand for this pop girl? This is what I made up arbitrarily. I'm going nice. to give you the pop girls. I'm going to give you the serial killers. And you just match them up. Okay. All right. So now the pop girls, Gaga, mm-hmm. Ariana Grande, okay, Rihanna, great. Serial killers, Dahmer, Gacy, Bundy. Okay. Um, this is like a serious question for me. So. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna pair Bundy with Ariana Grande. Dahmer with Gaga and Gacy with Rihanna. No. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like Gacy should go with Ariana Grande, actually. So, I don't know. That's a tough one. A, that was a little interchangeable, but you got my initial one right. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what you were thinking? Exactly what I was thinking. All right. I like that. Yeah, but I just want to say thank you for coming on and talking to me about the book. I, I'm a fan of it. I highly recommend it. I'm definitely going to put one in my bathroom. <laughs> Great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no, I just thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Do you hear yourself? All these strange explanations, why don't you give it up? What's your name? Is it love? Just a phase? No, I'll keep it up. You were at your mother's, your brother's, whatever. I've had enough. All the stories that you tell with a beautiful imagination We now have breaking news.
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.